Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Welcome, everyone, to our podcast for the sake of the child. My name is Susan Sellers, and I'm a spouse of an active duty service member, parent to three military kids, master parent-to-parent educator, and now a podcast host at the Military Child Education Coalition. Today, we're going to talk to Dr. Melissa Breimer. Dr. Breimer is the Director of Terrorism and Disaster Programs at the UCLA Duke National Center for Child Traumatic Stress and an expert on how children deal with stress following disasters. Dr. Breimer studies how best to offer psychological assistance in the aftermath of disasters and the role the center can play in such relief. Dr. Breimer, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, it's our pleasure, and we're looking forward to hearing you speak at the National Training Seminar next week um, with MSEC. Would you mind sharing a bit about what you're going to be presenting with our listeners? Absolutely. So we're going to be talking about, first of all, uh, what we can do to prepare educators and parents for different types of emergencies, whether it's disasters or a terrorist attack or school shooting. There are things that we can do way before something happens. So we'll talk about some of those preparedness efforts. But then what we do if something does happen and it impacts our staff as well as the students. And so identifying what are those factors that we pay attention to after these events and what do we do to help mitigate or reduce the impact of these situations. Interesting. Okay, so I'm kind of curious. I always assumed when a trauma occurred or a disaster has occurred, and, you know, there unfortunately seem to be happening more frequently, you know, such as a school shooting or even, you know, a death of a teacher or a natural disaster like we're, we're, looking, we're seeing in the news today, that there's an action plan not already in place to provide immediate care for affected students? Is, is this, have you found that this has not been done consistently? Schools do have what's called emergency plans. And okay. that is a global plan of how the school will, will operate, whether if the school is in session that day, the plan is a little bit different from if it's something happened over the weekend and uh, they have to decide whether school will resume on time or not. But even with those plans, there's got to be flexibility because not every event um, we respond the same way. So let me give you an example we tried to think about what students or children might have been most impacted by a situation. Do we have any kids who might have been killed in the situation or injured? If that's the case, we would want to know, do those kids have any siblings? Do they have any family members? We also want to think about who are their teachers or previous teachers who also might be impacted or, or thinking about those that were most impacted. So we tried to figure out who are the most impacted 
and not everybody's always in that way. We do want to think about uh, were they impacted directly by the trauma, meaning were they there? Did they witness things that kids shouldn't witness? Are they hearing about it through the media? How we help those kids will be slightly different depending on what, what kind of what we call exposure. Interesting. And I, I want to touch on something that you just kind of mentioned. It, it almost sounds like it's not that we're just wanting to, to, to focus on those that were directly involved, but that a lot of times these uh, traumatic events that happen seem to have ripple effects, that it could even affect, you know, teachers, teachers' families, um, children that have siblings in the home. It's almost like it, it, it turns into an umbrella of need when we have some of these tragedies that happen. So it, it sounds like it's trying to be a little bit more encompassing than maybe just focusing on those that are directly involved. Is that is that what I hear you're saying? Absolutely. So if we have an incident where a child has been in a, a bus accident, for example, parents of those students that were on the bus, will, we're going to have questions of what should I expect of my, how my kid is going to be reacting. Will there be a permanent impact? So we would want to spend some time for those parents to answer their questions, to give them reassurance, but help them to make sure that they have coping strategies to help their kids so that they can be the best parents that they can be. We do the same thing with the teachers as well because the teachers are going to want to make sure that those children get the support that they need. And we then want to talk with the children to ask them how are they reacting since the accident? What fears do they have? Many times after incidences, there's a lot of misinformation that goes on so we'll want to clarify and make sure they know what's going on. Is there any additional safety issues that we'll want to address? And so having those pieces are important when we're talking about creating a recovery program. Absolutely. I think you bring up some excellent points in creating a recovery program in itself, and, it, and I'm sure it's a partnership between the school district or the school itself and parents. And I know that you've mentioned previously in other articles and, and other interviews that school safety, which includes you know emotional and physical safety, is, is truly linked to academic performance in our kids and, and also in our schools. So in that partnership with parents, how can we prepare our children without instilling a sense of fear about going to school when these situations happen? Absolutely. I think one of the first things is to keep an open dialogue going. Some of our kids may be willing to talk about what happened right away, and they'll be wanting to talk about it. But there's a whole bunch of kids that are not going to be wanting to talk about it right, uh, right away, or they'll want to talk about it in shorter conversations. So they might have to have multiple conversations. So it's important to encourage parents to open up the dialogue. What are you, What is your friends talking about when it comes to this? What questions or what's your understanding of what happened? So that if there is any misinformation, uh, we can clarify them. Do they have any current safety concerns? And if they do, is it coping because they're anxious about coming to school? Or is there actual threat that no one knew about that we might need to talk to school leadership so that it can be addressed? We have several different 
tools for parents. One of them is for after natural disasters, and it's called Help Kids Cope. And it's a mobile app, and this mobile app is for Android and Apple devices, and it actually goes into 10 different types of natural disasters, so hurricanes or an earthquake or flooding. It actually talks about how to talk to kids who are preschool, who are school-aged, and adolescents. So the first part of it is how do we actually talk about these events based on the developmental age um, of your children. Then there's preparedness uh, advice as well as response. So if you are in a hurricane and you have to decide whether you evacuate or not, how do you help to keep your children's anxieties at a minimal? Is there things that other parents have done? If I have to then uh, evacuate because things have changed, it goes through what choices parents have to make and things that you can do to support your children. But then it goes into strategies for recovery afterwards too. This is a free tool that I recommend parents going through. And what's nice is that if it's already on your device, if you end up going on vacation and you end up being in a tsunami area and you've never thought about a tsunami and there's a warning, you have all the tips on there of what to do in that kind of a situation and how to help your kids. No, I think that's great advice. I mean, first of all, having an app, everybody has their phone with them at all times. And, you know, unfortunately, disasters, hurricanes, flooding, as you mentioned, these natural disasters, we don't always can anticipate when we're going to have to deal with them. So having that technology, that tool, as you mentioned, on your phone is, I think, just going to be a game changer for a lot of people because I think everything that you just mentioned, everybody can experience in your community. Whether you're military connected or not, we, you know, we've had flooding here at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and, you know, we have military families that have been affected by fires, you know, in California and hurricanes and and Florida as well. So this Help Kids Cope app, um, and I just want to plug it one more time, is free. And I really like how you mentioned that it's from preschool age to adolescence because how old your kid does dictate how you talk to them and how you prepare them you know, for what they may have to experience. And I I like that you guys have touched upon all those age groups because, frankly, all those age groups are still affected. You know, it's still a level of uncertainty and can can cause um, anxiety to, to, to help the parents guide them through so that they can start with the recovery. And I know changing gears just a little bit, but in the military, you know, we also have several resources that are available to our families and children coping like, you know, to say to an adjustment or a tragedy like um, a soldier's being wounded or, you know, even killed, family separations from deployments, and and even just frequent moves. What resources, though, do you think school systems, in addition to partnering uh, with parents, should have in place to sort of mitigate some of the trauma-related distresses that kids are experiencing? Absolutely. So the National Child Traumatic Stress Network on our website has a series of resources for educators, and that website is www.nctsn.org. So one thing that we have done is that we want schools, all schools, to be trauma-informed. But what we were realizing is that uh, not everybody knows what that means. So we actually created a framework that outlines the 10 
concepts to think about to make sure that your school is trauma-informed. And that resource is on our website. So that's one thing, to review that framework and to consider how close is your school trauma-informed. And is there things that, as we're starting the new school year, that you might want to take on this year to become closer to being trauma-informed? Another resource that we have is we have a child trauma toolkit for educators. And it's a brief document that goes into if a middle school child is exposed to trauma, what are the signs or reactions that I might see as an educator? And what are things I can do in my role as educator to support those kids? So it goes into elementary, middle school, high school. And it also has some tips on we know that educators have significant secondary stress in their job, and it's important for them to take care of themselves. So that resource also um, goes into how can educators help with their own stress of, uh, of being the great educators that they are. If something happens, if a hurricane or you said flooding just happened, we actually have a resource for educators when a community trauma occurs. And it's a one-pager. It's very simple for educators to read. And on the one side, it goes into what are some of the reactions that I might be seeing in my students? And on the other side, it goes into if I see those reactions or symptoms, here's things that I can do to help those students that are impacted by this. Melissa, can you give us that website one more time, please? Sure. So it's the National Child Traumatic Stress Network website. And it's www.nctsn.org. So it's for the perfect. National Child Traumatic Stress Network. Okay, and on there, I, I you, know, make sure. you can check, you can see there's resources for educators as well as for parents who are listening to this. Absolutely. And I, I'm already making notes on what to, to let my school know. I want to. When I have a feeling when we're done with this podcast, I'm going to check to see if they meet the 10 concepts of being trauma-informed. So I, I love this part of my job. I'm always learning something new. So, um, Melissa, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners, kind of like a last takeaway from this podcast? The other thing that has been an interest by many parents is when we're talking about preparedness and we are talking about an increase of either mass violence or a perceived increase in, in school shootings, schools have been practicing active shooter drills. And there has been a, a question over how they should be conducted, what are some of those ways that we can do them without creating fear in our kids and even a, a, in us as adults. So we also have a fact sheet on creating school active shooter and, and shooter drills and thinking it from it from a trauma-informed perspective. So that's another resource that you might want to look at as your schools are doing these drills. Is there things that can be done beforehand, during, and, and after? And it's broken down to how do we support our students, how do we support parents, and how do we support educators? And that's another resource that we found that there's lots of questions about right now. Okay. No, I think that's a, a, another great 
topic to mention because I know more and more schools are, are practicing the active shooter drills, you know, similar to the tornado and fire drills we did as kids. But I do think you bring up an excellent point that this needs to be done thoughtfully so that it's it's not creating more anxiety and more stress within our children and in, in our educators, but actually being a help. So, Dr. Bromer, I truly appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. And I'm, I have to be honest, I'm really looking forward to uh, your full session uh, next week at the National Training Seminar. And I'm sure our listeners have uh, a new perspective on some things that they're going to be thinking about getting ready to uh, when they put their kids back to school. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Absolutely. And thanks to all our listeners for joining us today. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you'd like to hear more about. Have a great day. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.